to free beers and a movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with... Stuart McFall. Stuart, thank you for stepping in at very short notice to do this tonight. No bother, dude. Always a pleasure. It's nice to have something to bounce off of rather than me having to talk to myself and become like Grandpa Simpson just yelling at a cloud. You know, it's, it's, yes. it's nice to have another voice. Yeah. Even if you don't know what the abyss is, even if you don't know what we're talking about, at least you can sort of, you can, you can kick back a little bit with some, some knowledge, hopefully. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, The Isle of Man, we don't have any films, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can chip in occasionally yeah. and say, oh, I know that guy in that film, yeah. I remember him. You've, yeah, heard of, you've heard of this thing called cinema, yes. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, are you drinking anything tonight? I am not. It's a school night, isn't it? Yeah. So, just the water for me, yeah. on the rocks. I have, well, on the rocks as well, but I have Scotland's national drink, um, some dodgy iron brew, which is now even dodgier due to the fact that it's got no sugar in it at all. They took the sugar out of it, man. They took the sugar. Fucking... How does it taste without the sugar? Um, weird. Weird, yeah. I mean, Jamie yeah. Oliver can... I hope Jamie Oliver hangs for this, to be honest. It's, it's, it's the thing I want to... <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I, don't, I don't wish ill will on anyone, but Jamie Oliver can fuck off, to be fair. Um... Yeah, he's taken. He's taken an iron brew, and now he's trying to come after two for one piece. It's like, let me have a two for one piece if I want to, motherfucker. If I want to eat it, I will eat it. It's not for you to judge what I eat. Especially in his, uh, you know, mansion. You yeah, know, exactly. To say. Keep, your, keep your middle. Pizzas. Yeah, it's keep your middle class Sussex bullshit where it belongs in Sussex. Um, anyway, not getting off of Jamie Oliver. Have you watched anything of interest over the last few weeks, or anything you want to talk about? Yeah, man, I've, I've watched a few things. Um, I watched uh, Fleabag, that just finished this week. Um, uh, TV, I, I guess you'd call it a sitcom, but it's it's kind of genre-bending. Yes. It's just a stunning piece of writing and performance, just really, really fucking good. The writing is incredible. What's the um, basic great... premise of Fleabag? basic premise of Fleabag is our titular hero, Fleabag, who is never named uh, in in the program, nobody ever refers to her by name. Right, okay. She is uh, early to mid thirties, so our age, uh, living in London, and uh, a bit of a, a shambling wreck of a woman. Very charismatic, very funny, very drunk, but can't seem to take life seriously at all. She's a serial shagger. Um, her mum has died, and you soon soon learn that she is probably on the verge of some kind of breakdown. Um, and she's trying to shag her way out of this breakdown. Um, Why am I picturing Fran from Black Books? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not my show. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's, uh, it's very, very surprising in places. Very uh, touching when it needs to be and poignant, but really fucking funny um, and really innovative. It Best was, thing I've seen in a long time. And it was based on a... Stage show, wasn't it? She done it. Is it Phoebe Waller maker, isn't it? That the... That's the one. Yeah, she was. Uh, she's a she's a playwright initially, um, and she ended up starring and writing this. Um, and it just bowed out after its second season. Uh, and it bowed out with real class. Yeah. Um, very, very, very good show. Um, she also wrote Killing Eve, which which did very well last year. I've not seen that, but I've, I've, I've not seen that. But I probably will watch Fleabag now that I know it's finished. I, I feel like it's. Yeah. I can, it's only like probably six episodes a season, maybe twelve episodes all in. Exactly, twelve yeah. episodes all in, spot on, dude. Yeah, yeah. You'll fly through it. Um, and there is, you know, there's there's a, a sexual tension with a priest, and so who doesn't love that? So. Is it Moriarty playing the priest? Isn't it? I can't remember his name. The guy played Moriarty in the Sherlock TV show. Is it him? Uh, yes, 
Yes, it is. I can't it remember is. his name. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember the fucker's name. He he, he looks like um, a mix of Ant and Deck. Yes. Simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very charismatic. Uh, very fuckable. I, I would fuck that priest. Yeah. You know, it's fine. I'm, I'm putting it out there. We all have so watched Fleabag. That's yeah. really good. Really recommend it. Um, I finished Happy. A bit late to the party on that, but I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Happy was really fun. Um, which was just mad. Happy was a mad, mad program. Yeah, it's clearly like you know, Happy is about a, a detective or a, a former detective who's now like basically a, a PI who tries to kill himself and fails to do so, and then. As when he wakes up in the hospital, he can see a unicorn, voiced by Pat and Oz, <laughs> the pretty much only he can see, and the unicorn happens to be the imaginary friend of a young girl who's been kidnapped, and through Happy, who is a unicorn, he tries to find the young girl who's been kidnapped, so it's his sort of re- redemption trail through that. It is, yeah. like you said, it is utterly mental, and it, it, you can tell it comes from the mind of Grant Morrison, because only Grant Morrison could write yeah. something as fucked up in his sort of... Yeah, just definitely. Bending it's is so that. dark, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, there's some bits there, like, fucking hell. Yeah. Baby dies in a microwave. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, it is, it's, it, it, it's hard to, to describe it, and, and, and you would really be careful with who you would recommend it to, because you, some people you recommend it to, they will judge you very harshly for... It, oh, could, it could end a friendship. It could, yeah, you'd be really sure of who, who you'd recommend this to. Like I said, it's from the guys... I, I, yeah, go on, sorry. sorry, from the guys who did Crank, so if you've seen Crank 1 or 2, that gives you an idea of the, the mental capacity of these people. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's Crank, but with good writing. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than just, yeah, yeah. I actually think the writing's pretty fucking great. So yeah, I think it's very funny, it's very smart, it's very clever, yeah. Yeah. It's very noir, actually, uh-huh. in places. Yeah. Kind it's, of, you know, snappy dialogue and witty. Yeah. yeah, it's Sin City on acid, essentially, which is... Yeah, Sin City and Roger Rabbit. Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. Sin City versus Roger, uh, against Roger Rabbit. That's a perfect way to describe it. Um, yeah. But definitely a hard 18. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Possibly a hard 21, to be honest. You maybe haven't even had... <laughs> yeah, I'm still having flashbacks to some of it. Yeah. Um, and last thing I watched was um, uh, Us. Us. Uh, I actually went to the cinema to that. Unbelievably, it came to the Isle of Man. Only for, for five days only. So, uh, do you think did it come to mind because it's such a big release, or was it because you think maybe it's is it a kind of is it in a kind of quiet time? There's not much else on. What do you think the reason for it coming out your way was? Probably a bit of both. Yeah. Um, did Get Out come to your part of the world? Sorry. Did Get Out come to the to Manx? No. No. no it, it's been, but it has been. Okay, there is quite an arty community over here. Yeah. But it, it's um, it's definitely on the rise a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, but there's there's like there's a couple of kind of makeshift indie cinema nights in, All right, cool. in, in, in old schools and things like that that they do in old warehouses um, and they did that with Get Out Ooh, so okay. perhaps inspired by that because that was a sellout over here yeah. so that was after the fact that was probably only about two or three months ago All right, so okay. it was linked to that um, and it was, it was certainly not sold out when I went to watch us on a, a miserable Tuesday evening right. um, it, was, it was about half, half full oh, but you enjoyed it? yeah I, I kind of resonate with your uh, assessment on the pod because I thought it's good but I was comparing it to Get Out which as you know was my favourite film of yep. 2017 or yep. whatever year it came out um, so I came away a bit, I, I thought it was excellent but I came away a bit deflated like I thought it was a four star film but then yep. it just wouldn't and we've had similar conversations this it just wouldn't leave my brain yeah, it, it still it, hasn't really it does not um, budge I, I, I actually yeah. compare it a lot more to something like 
and it's hard, and it's not compared in terms of the film itself, but something like the Babadook or even the Witch or um, yeah, yeah. what's the one? It follows where you watch it and go, that's well done what it's doing, and I really enjoyed it. But would I watch it again? You maybe think maybe I wouldn't watch it again, but then it seeps away your brain for so long after, like for like a week, month after, that you feel yeah. compelled, like I have to kind of see that thing again to kind of get the full totally. impact of it and try and notice things that I think also yeah. is where you're watching the film particularly as you're watching us the first time round and you're expecting Get Out, even though everyone told you it's not Get Out, you're still yeah. waiting for the Get Outness of it to arrive. Yes, yes, um, completely. And that doesn't yeah. really arrive at all, I don't think. It's not It's not a Get Out, I would say, is pretty much a more satirical film in many ways. I would say us is much yeah. more a, a horror film. Yeah, I, I think us I think is, it's, it's bigger in scope yeah. than that it's... Us can be watched as a standalone film without that underlying satirical tone throughout. But then you can take it other places as well, and you can start thinking about the haves versus the have-nots and all those kind of conversations. But like any kind of great horror, it's it's holding up a mirror to society. But ultimately, it stands alone by: is it a good watch? You know, is it tense? Is it is is it? is it daring and everything else? And it really, it really was all of those things. But you're kind of, you're almost hamstrung. He was almost hamstrung by the brilliance of, and the, the unexpected brilliance of Get Out yeah. the first time round. And I think I'd, appre- I think I'll appreciate us a lot more second time round because now I think it's a stone cold masterpiece. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was always, I did have that problem of being the, the sophomore film. You know, it's a film that you like follow up your 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 masterwork with, and the film that makes everyone yeah. love you. And essentially, as long as you don't do anything completely awful, people are happy. Yes, and he did more. He did more than something that wasn't awful. He's done something that's not only very good, but probably excellent. And like you said, as you watch it more and more, and you watch it, rewatch it again and again and again, it will hold up more and more, um, yeah. and it will become even more sort of require viewing for for cinema. And this, you know, um, as much as Get Out as, as a one-two punch, Get Out and that are fan, as, a, as a fantastic one-two punch for your opening two salvos. Um, I think so. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, but no, I, I mean, see, I've, I think we gave it 8 out of 10 when we, when we watched it, but I think if I watched yeah. it again, I probably would bump it higher than that because it has hit away at my brain for the last month or so. Yeah, um, yeah, I think so. There's so many signposts and there's so many things I want to rewatch and geek out on. Um, he's a proper geek filmmaker and he has such reverence for for horror um, that he's, he's, not, he's not hitting all the tropes for the sake of hitting tropes, he's doing it in a kind of homage rather than being derivative. But there's there's loads of kind of echoes of the greats yeah. in there as well. So yeah, I, I definitely want to rewatch. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I'm I'm much the same. But um, the only thing I've watched at home this week was one called Cat's Eye. Have you ever seen Cat's Eye? I have not. It is a Stephen King movie, um, based okay. based on like two of his short stories and one original story he did for the the, the film. It's one of the few films he's actually written. Like, you know, he hasn't done the screenplay for it as well, I believe. He's, it's based on his actual treatment as opposed to just being inspired by his his work. Oh, yeah, that's rare, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't even do that too much. And essentially, it's two stories, the three stories, the only thing that interlinks him, interlinks him is, is a cat that seems to witness him. Um, the first one involves... <laughs> yeah, the first one involves James Woods wanting to quit smoking, so he joins an, a, a, like a smoke, an, an on-smoking company who are, who are trying to help people do this like to get over the addiction and essentially the, the, the way to go over it, the addiction is said okay we'll take, you're now with us if you smoke we will talk to your wife if you smoke we will rape your wife, if you smoke we will kill your wife 
and essentially being watched at all times by these people who are waiting for a moment when he will slip up and also that the and his wife will be harmed by this and that's that's a horror of the situation wow yeah the second one Do is we think it's um, autobiographical because king had a kind of way of going about these things with his addiction problems and it stuff, does it could it? be it definitely could be it, it definitely seems like it's king it, it does seem like you know coke era king yeah, it's, it's that's the first story. The second story is about um, it's a guy who's basically stealing money from the mob, and the mob will only let him away if he walks around the outside of a skyscraper. <laughs> and then the sec, and then the second one is the third one. Sorry, is all about a little girl who there's a they, they scare the cat away, and because mum doesn't like the cats, but it turns out the cat was keeping away a troll that's living in the bedroom who's trying to steal the girl's voice. Yeah, so, so it's, it covers all kind of aspects of like sort of King's writings. Yeah. You, know, you have that sort of real proper horror moments, like with the troll, but then you also have that thing with like where he takes the very mundane and makes it equally terrifying. Yeah, yeah, he's you know? very good at that. Yeah. yeah, as a film, I actually quite enjoyed it. It's it's very it is of its time. I think it's made in, of it's, its time. Yes, yeah. very much an eighty film. Colin loves this film. He he was. He was raving about it when I said I'm going to watch it. He was like, he was very happy at this. But um, I, it, it's, I enjoyed the second and third stories a lot more than I enjoyed the first one. Um, that could be perhaps because James Woods in it, and James Woods looks like a yeah. You, you just t- I just think like James Woods is the jacko of acting. Like he's just totally tainted now. <laughs> you know yeah, you just you don't want to like him. You don't want to like him. and he had been he had been in very good stuff. There's no oh yeah no doubt good that actor. yeah good yeah. actor and even watching now something like Hercules is sort of tainted a little bit because he's in that as well. Um, yeah, the cartoon. So yeah, but the second and third stories I really I actually found quite interesting. But they are just genre pieces, and but as a genre, it's they're enjoyable enough. It's a good. I watched it on a Sunday morning. I think it was, but it'd been an ideal Friday night after pub movie. Yeah, yeah, sounds like that. Sounds yeah. Like, so the, the, were they? Kind of, was there any narrative threat? No. From the cat scene, or was it just like little vignettes? Just essentially three little vignettes. That's all it really is. It's three, maybe about, right. maybe about. 30 minutes to 35 minutes each. I mean, you still you have to hand it to him. It's still ridiculous than the original, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that, it, that's his, like, his... And I know you guys covered it really well in the podcast, you and superfan Colin. Um, but there's... This is his kind of... Uh, sub... sub uh-huh. It's not his but it's not his, it's not his peak era stuff, but it's still wildly original, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. I mean, this, like I said, this is, this is probably when they're buying anything Stephen King put his name to after the hit, hits of like, The Shining and a few other things. I think Misery yeah. might have been out, maybe, is it late 90s? Um, so there's a few things when King was the sort of, he was box office, if not box office gold, his work became box office gold to a great degree. So uh-huh. he could write, he'd pretty much write anything and people would buy it. And people would, people would want to adapt it and pretty much did adapt everything he even put his name to. You know, yeah. You know, Sam Raimi owes his entire career to basically Stephen King. Stephen King allowed his name to go on Evil Dead poster. Yeah. You know, yeah, so stuff like, true. you know, yeah. despite, despite the fact that Evil Dead is a brilliant film, if it wasn't for King putting his name on that poster, that film probably would have maybe possibly have sank away the way like thousands of horror films that came out mm-hmm. did. You know, it's his name that made it sort of put it above the, the press, um, you know, the parapet. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It's, so it's like, it's King in that year, like I said, it's, it seems like Coke era um, um, <laughs> King. Which honestly, I enjoy that era, King. You know, oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the madness of it, the mad, the, the, the utter insanity of him, yeah, is is something yeah. to behold. 
Um, and he is just a writer writing from just pure adrenaline, essentially. You know, you can just yeah, yeah. He's fueled like you, when you when you read him when he's in one of those kind of coke frenzies, you can just see that you can just picture him mad and wild eyed, like oh. chugging away on whiskey, snorting the lines, fucking bare chested. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, Thirty hour writing sprees. It's like it doesn't come up for air. Oh, and then he wakes up and he's got carrier sitting there. You know, it's like you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's like he's got a masterpiece sitting in front of him, just like he has no idea where it came from. You know, what a prick. Yeah, yeah. what a bastard. Yeah, he does more when he's unaware of it than anyone could ever do in our lives. But yeah, so if you're looking for something dumb to watch on a Friday night, I saw it on the Horror Channel, which is I don't know what channel that is on Sky, but it's it was shown on that one night. Um, okay. And I, I, like I said, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was for what it was. I thought it was a fun watch. Yeah, sounds yeah. intriguing. And um, we'll move on to the sort of bigger releases this week. Um, the first one up is a Netflix release called The Highwayman. Yes. Which is directed I did, by I did directed by John Lee Hancock, who directed The Blind Side. So, um, done some big stuff. The Founder as well. Last thing that was the last year that was out the year before. I really enjoyed The Founder. Um, I like that. Was that, that was the Keaton uh, McDonald's one? Yes. That, that one? Yeah, um, yeah, I like that. Also done the Alamo. And yes. the one with Billy Bob Thornton. And he yeah. did, I think, on, I'm sure this won an Oscar for somebody, uh, Saving Mr. Banks. Oh, right. Yeah. No, like a, that, that, yeah, that was, uh, that was okay. Yeah, I don't know if it won an Oscar, but it definitely, I remember it being very highly thought of anyway, and a lot of people did like Saving Mr. I quite enjoy Saving Mr. Banks as well, other than the fact that it did humanise an absolute prick that was Walt Disney. Um, this film essentially follows the sort of the last of the Texas Rangers at this time. The Texas Rangers have been disbanded because um, I've seen it's just cowboys um, and the, the 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 local jurisdiction just said no, we don't want you anymore. Um, and but brought, these these two guys are brought out of retirement in order to track down Bonnie and Clyde who are rampaging across America over the nineteen I want to say nineteen twenties nineteen thirties. Yeah, we'll go yeah, with that. Go with that, yeah. Uh, and essentially, these two guys try to track them down. Um, if you've ever seen the film that had who's the, the really famous Bonnie and Clyde film the one with um, the oh I can't, Warren Beatty and yeah Fame. Warren Beatty is the, the famous, famous yeah famous one. one I have seen it if you've seen, if you've seen that one you can remember it it's the, the two coppers who are basically idiots yeah this is their yeah. real this is the real story of them they weren't idiots and that film did a great disservice and in fact the widow of the lawman sued Paramount I think it was Back, oh, in, really? back in that film came out basically saying you've you've tarnished my husband's memory you know of, of who he was by making him into a complete yeah, really? film so, and then they made them rock stars as well yeah I made, 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 made like you said I made Bonnie and Clyde these rock star guys who apparently they were rock stars back in the day as well people were sort of like working class heroes in many ways and that's what part of the film is is them trying to track down Bonnie and Clyde not only through four or five different states when they were like states were still very much separate entities and didn't really acknowledge each other to a great degree uh-huh. Um yeah. But also the idea that the public saw them these people as like Robin Hood esque characters, you know, who, yeah, who um, you know, should be protected and loved, you know, and, and, and psychopathic killers. Yeah, and and that's what and that's what the film's about. So in the film you've got Kevin Costner playing one of the lawmen, you've got Woody Harrelson playing his partner, um, Kathy Bates pops up as the sort of the superintendent or the governor of the state. She's in I can't remember what she exactly was, and. Thomas Mann from Me and the Dying Girl, the the, the main oh, yeah. yeah the main cool. dude main dude in that who looks insanely baby faced at all times, um, yes. plays the sort of like the other sort of the young um, police officer as well who sort of, who's 
flips in out of it with, with basically he's missed an exposition, but I like to see him in it. Enjoy him in the film. Yeah, definitely. Um, I expect with that cast, they all deliver fantastically because they're all fantastic actors. Um, it is Costner and Harrelson's film. They are pretty much on seat on the camera for the, for the, for the entire movie. Um, you barely see Bonnie and Clyde. They are de- most definitely ghosts in their own story. You know, the, 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 That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, cool. the story is definitely about them two. Uh, about the, the, the lawman, not about um, Bonnie and Clyde. Um, the Kathy Bates role, she's not got anything to do, and unfortunately I think that's one of the roles that probably could have been cut down. You can maybe even take that entire thing away. She's there pretty much as a protagonist to say that she doesn't like the high the, the, the Texas Rangers because she sees them as, as cowboys and something of, of, a, of a bygone era, which could, right. which could easily have been explained in a, in a quick either voiceover at the start or even something on screen, you know, some text. You know, that, yeah. yeah, the year is nineteen thirty. The Texas Rangers have been disbanded. Something along those lines, you know, something simple would have totally done it. And, well, and, then a character serving purely for exposition. Yeah, and and having a great actress like Kathy Bates in it for for yeah. literally no point, and that could have a bit of a, bit of a waste. Um, a bit of a waste, yeah. Yeah, the story itself, it, it does. I mean, it's it's a good two hour film, and it, 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 the first hour or so, it's, it it labors. You know, it, it takes a while to get where it's going and. I think that sort of um, it's trying to be like an it's trying to be a western, you know, it's that you know the, the the old gunslinger type thing, and it's trying to sort of labour along and just sort of build a tension, build a story, and build the characters characters these characters up, um, which in itself is fine. But even if you're going slow, you need to be seeing the direction you're going in. I just never for a lot of the time you don't see too much of a direction where it's going. You know, it feels very stagnant, uh-huh. and the story doesn't move along at times. And then when it does start moving you think right okay we're getting somewhere they'll move states or they're finding something they're seeing something it'll just take this little random detour into, okay. like, into like a little plot strand you go mm, didn't need that at all like it, it, it detracts it doesn't add anything to the story it's just sort of it just adds more running time onto it Um, the direction of it John Lee Hancock decent director obviously he's done some interesting stuff in the past there's nothing you would say is inspiring about his direction. You know, it's nothing you, you go like this guy is a visionary filmmaker. It's very simple. He's keeping it. Just he's trying to tell the story, and he's just he's shooting the film as it is. He's not putting any big flourishes on it. You know, which in itself is not a bad thing. Is the dialogue good enough to to hold weight? The dialogue works for the most part. The, the, the people you do get a sense that the singers are out singing the song. Yeah. You know, Costner has a has a way of, of doing things that are that that are, that are fantastic. He, he does something in a speech when he's talking to a young guy in a, a convenience store. And he just starts playing with a bit of paper on a noteboard, like on a cork board. Mm-hmm. And he does it. He must have done it as a choice because it, I, I don't know why he would do it otherwise. But it, it just it, it felt undeniably exceptionally real when he did it. Like if you're if you're having a nervous conversation, someone a conversation you don't want to have with someone, you will fidget with something. Random, you know. Yeah, it's those details. That yeah. Bet against that, just being a Costner ad lib move because he's got that director's touch, hasn't he? Yeah. That real kind of that human element that connects us and takes us out of ourselves. So yeah. You always, you always forget Kevin Costner. Uh-huh. You always forget. You just think he is the person who he is playing. Uh-huh. As simple as that sounds. Yeah. He's just such a real actor. Oh. Uh-huh. And that's something he is. He isn't. He is a proper. Actor, you know, he, he has a he has a movie star in every way as well. Before you've seen, but 
when you watch him do his craft, it's it, you can tell it's it's hard to notice a man doing his craft. Like if I met Kevin Costner, I would assume he was like his movies. Yeah. But I don't. Yeah. But from what I, from what I've read about him, I don't think he is. But he's no. so good at what he does that he he becomes everything you see, and that's and, that, and that's a credit to him. And that's something you've seen over the last like nearly thirty or forty years. The man knows how you do it. Um, Harrelson as well. Harrelson is again. So, so underrated, Harrelson. Exactly. If you so look at look at my films he's done, he's, he's brilliant in it. It's tough to, to see him. People do still dismiss him a lot of the time, but I think he, I don't get that at all. I think no. he's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and again, he can be so nuanced, and he can be so subtle, but he can also go big if he wants to. And this one is definitely much more nuanced performance. Um, he is sort of maybe bring a little bit of the comedy to it a little bit as well. Some of his some of his stuff he does, some of the little ticks he has. Um, he's very good in it. Um, overall, it's, it's a solid modern cowboy movie. But I felt it could have been refined a little bit more. That's a shame because I don't know if they've been in a film together, but that I can't think of off the top of my head. But the pair of them seem like a perfect match for yeah. this kind of for this kind of film. You know that these kind of two um, obviously I haven't seen it, but these kind of two um, almost dinosaur era cowboys who are refusing to let um, the old ways die, yeah. and that kind of yin and yang of maybe more wild Harrelson and the more measured Costner that just seems like a bit of a bit of a shame yeah. that you've got the clout of them on board either get a better editor in cut the fuck out of it or, or get a better writer get a better writer in as well and make it a bit snappier yeah I mean I think snappier might have worked but I think I think definitely editor was required just, just something to trim yeah. it down and it's maybe coming from that thing again where it's Netflix and Netflix don't like to say no, they don't like to give notes, they just let a director do his thing and do his story and then they'll put it out there. It just, yeah. it felt like it needed someone a little, a little bit of, you know, someone a bit overlooked and saying that, we could, we could do something more with this. And again, it's also sad that a film starring Woody Harrelson and Kevin Costner basically arrived with, with no fanfare. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that, that tends to be the Netflix way with movies, doesn't it? Totally, and that's really what you do. That's what you do. But I feel you feel it should be seen be more. It should yes. be having big. I mean, I mean, honestly, the type of film it is, it probably went to cinema and went out for a week and disappeared. So perhaps Netflix is the best place for it. People will find it on Netflix. But yeah, it felt it felt a bit sad. It's, it's, this cost movie just didn't get seen enough, and maybe it will find its audience later on. Like I said, I enjoyed it overall, but it definitely had its faults, and it definitely could have been better than what was it the, the, the people are trying their hardest with it but I feel they, they, they've been underserved by the, 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 the content it's a bit of a shame that do you think like um, in the hands of a different director it could have been better like um, you know like, I don't know Nick McKenzie or someone like that could have maybe taken it see to be honest the best guy to direct this would have been the guy who was on screen oh yeah yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. you know yeah. Costner, I think, would have been an ideal kind of guy to direct this. He seems to be able to tell these epic American stories better than anyone else. Yeah, he does. Get you know, back behind the lens. Yeah. The, too long. I mean, the man's done... He won... His first film won all the Oscars, then he done a couple other ones. What did he do after? He done Dance with Rose, and he did um, Open Range. Well, he's not done much more, has he? But Open Range is probably... One, I, I would argue Open Range is the last great Western. Yes. Because it came after... It came after yeah. Unfor- it came after Unforgiven, Unf- and Unforgiven is probably everyone else's pick. But I think Open Range is in that vein of being just a brilliant oh, it's western. Great. It's great. But do we cast do we class the country for old men as a western? He, more actually, of a thriller, maybe. Thriller, I would put it more as it's a flat out yeah. western. A flat, I would say oh, um, Open Range is probably the last of the the great westerns. 
Yeah. I'm trying to think. That's a, that's a strong claim. Yeah. That, but I, I'm finding it hard to disprove. To yeah. I think I'm sure it, I'm, I'm, it definitely came out after Unforgiven. So Unforgiven was 91, I think, in 92. So, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's definitely. the one with. Um, I really liked uh, Jesse James. Um, oh, the assassination, the assassination of Jesse Bird Cow. By the, how, how, the coward Robert Ford or whatever his name is. yeah that one ridiculous title yeah, yeah like um, that I think honestly see I'd actually I would I would actually compare The Highwayman to that and I had the similar issues with that film as I had with this whereas I recognised the content was excellent I recognised everyone was doing very good but the, the, the slowness and the the the, 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 the length yeah. it took to get where it was going I really struggled to actually enjoy it that much I wonder if I'll like this film a bit more than you because yeah. I, I quite like an old kind of plodding western that's kind of foreboding. Um, I know I'm not saying that you don't. Yeah. Uh, like because I you uh, I remember remember the film Slow West that was I, really good. I love Slow West. Uh, yeah. I really love Slow West, but I wanted more. It yeah. Was too lean for me. I wanted another hour. Like for me, that I I, I need I, I I felt. An hour and a half western. I didn't know how to handle that. True. Yeah, no. Maybe, maybe that's. Um, maybe I'm. Yeah, maybe that's what I need. To, I want, if I want a western, I want a slow western. Like, but it only lasts an hour and a half. Like the preposition or proposition, the one with. Um, oh yeah, really good. The yeah. Mads Mikkelsen one. Yeah. Um, with Cantona, you know, something like that. That's that's one I want. You know, it's it's a nice maybe a hundred minutes. I don't want to sit for two hours. So that's a mod. You you want a kind of a modern version of yeah. the. Of the old western, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, so out of ten, I give it a six. Okay, I will watch it just for the star quality alone. Yeah. Um, but onto that is onto another western, a more traditional western um, called The Sisters Brothers, which I think is actually a great title. Um, directed by Jacques Audiard, I believe his name is, who directed Rust and Bone a few years ago. And that was the uh, Mary. Cotillard, that she's did she lose her legs in an accident, or did her husband lose her legs in an accident? Someone lost her legs in an accident. I never saw it. I only know of it because there was quite a lot of buzz about it, and then yeah. it kind of faded away. But this yeah. film before that is a fucking masterpiece. Um, a prophet. A prophet. Yes, a that's prophet. one of the big one. We have that's Rust and incredible. we do have Rust and Bone in the house only because Jill bought it. Thinking it's a great story, didn't realise it was subtitled, and then she will not watch it because she knows it's subtitled. <laughs> Can't concentrate on it. <laughs> okay. Um, but the Prophet is a is a fantastic movie. It's, it's like that proper French. It's a French movie of French movies. It's like it feels very French all the way through. You know, it feels it's a, it feels like a real proper version of their cinema. Yeah, violent sex and baguettes. Yes, essentially yes. Um, and this itself, um, the film is about John C. Reilly and Wacom Phoenix. They play brothers, the sisters' brothers, in fact, who are bounty hunters. They go after men usually um, and bring them back to it or kill depending on what their, their mission is. Um, the third in crime is Jake Gyllenhaal, who basically goes ahead and finds the person they're looking for and sort of ushers them to where they want to be so that the two brothers can go in and kill him because Jake Gyllenhaal is not a killer. The difference in this one is Jake Gyllenhaal meets Riz Ahmed, who is the, the target for the two brothers. And Riz Ahmed... I like Riz Ahmed. Yeah, he has found a way to find gold that doesn't involve panning for gold. Basically, you throw a chemical in the water and the gold just starts to shine and you need to go and pick it up. So at that point, Riz, um, Jake Gyllenhaal sort of defects and wants to go on Riz Ahmed's side. And it's the, it's the pursuit of them and also the, the meeting of these two groups and, and, and how the, the film, how the, the story unfolds between them. It's hard. It does take a little bit of a turn in the third act, so to, to see what happens in it would kind of ruin some of it. Um, okay. So I'm not going to mention it, but yeah, that, that's the basic idea of it. 
Um, it's like I said, it's an interesting western. It begins in a very traditional way. You know, it's it's you know big landscapes. It's the bounty hunters going out after. It's the cowboys. It's you know it's all that kind of stuff. It's stuff you've seen before, but much like that Maz Mickelson one and um, Slow West, it feels like a very European western. It, it is set in America, but it does have that that European mentality to it a little bit. Yeah. You know, it does something a bit different about it. I don't know. I, I can't really place exactly what it is, but it doesn't feel quite. It's not John Ford western. It's not even Unforgiven. It's not no. Kevin Costner western. It's it's. Distinctly European in its in its sort of portrayal of the characters and the landscape, and possibly I think it might even been shot in like South Africa. They sometimes shoot these things in now. I think, and um, I, okay. I know that's where that Mad Mickelson one was shot. So there is it does feel a little bit off kilter a little bit. Um, John C. Reilly's is standard. Guess, was the director hasn't has he done any other English language films? I don't believe so. No, I don't think no. so. No, mm. he's still very much a Frenchman. Um, yeah. John C. Reilly is definitely the standout. He's a character with the most sort of nuance to him. He's sort of he's the one who's struggling with the idea of what they're doing isn't a job for life. You know, it's something they should be trying to find a way out of. Whereas Joaquin Phoenix is a big idiot, and he just loves the lifestyle. He likes the money. He likes the, the fame, and he likes the you know the the, the action of it all. Um, yeah. so, so it's the two of them having that that sort of for the first time in their probably their, their entire life having that argument of what they're going to do with themselves. You know, they, they do work. As a partnership, they don't work individually. They can't really work individually the way they the way they do their job. So uh-huh. it's it's them trying to that it's this new relationship getting built as as one of them decides it's not really for them anymore. Um, it does look fantastic. It does look it looks stunning. It does have a, it feels like a, it feels like a western. Um, but the tone of the film for a lot of time it just it's a bit jumbled. There's times it it, it falls into almost flat out black comedy. Yeah, like proper proper comedy, and it's like and the John C. Reilly character's not there for comedy, and it's it's John C. Reilly being actor John C. It's not comedic John C. Reilly. Yeah, I'm I'm a, a fan of John C. Reilly the actor more than the well the, the thespian if I'm being wanky. Yeah, more thespian than comedic actor because being a comedy actor is still very much acting. It's almost some could argue it's it's harder. Yeah, but. Uh, um, I, I really like him in Dewey Cox and, and, and uh, Step Brothers and everything else, don't get yeah. me wrong, but I, 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 I have a real special place in my heart for it. He was kind of almost a William H. Macy, a kind of sad sack. He just had real pathos and yeah. really kind of sweet in like um, Boogie Nights and Gangs of New York. And, uh, oh, Gangs of New York, he's, he's, he's a tragic, hot, sad, sad character in Gangs of New oh, York. Oh, yeah, so sad. He's, he's just... It's um, just a really good actor, John C. Riley. So, yeah. from my perspective, it's really nice to hear him in that role. And also, a bit strange that tonally, this film, from what you're saying, is a bit all over the place comedically, and yet his role was not remotely um, light in 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 humour. Yeah, like the black humour tends to come from like the insanity of the situation. You know. Some things happen. You yeah. go, you're like, oh, like, it, it's the same way you laugh at someone who just suddenly dies on screen, when, and you're like, holy, like, you, you can't help but kind of laugh at it almost a little bit. It's coming from uh, that. Some, somebody just comes out right out of left field. You're like, oh, fuck, that's kind of like, wow, that's I can only laugh at that. Cause I don't really know how else to react to it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's like this this jolt, and you, your brain can't process it because it's so extreme. You know, yeah. it, it, it's not quite horror, but it's the same thing that happened in horror films. People will laugh in horror films because they don't really know how to process what's what the fuck's happening in front of yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, excellent point. Yeah. Um, so that's the, the tone of it. You kind of struggle, with. and then also the tone in the third act. It, it, it makes sense, but it just it felt a little bit out of place, and I just I just didn't buy into it quite as much as I wanted to. 
Um, also, it just, it's... I'm trying to think of the words to describe it. It feels a film that everyone involved in it thought they were doing something a lot more special than they were. Lofty. That lofty aspiration. Yes. Like, yeah, well, certainly, without sounding... Um, particularly racist you know the the director you know is a french author mm-hmm. so there's a certain gravitas to to him alone and something like the prophet it it mangled the idea of the gangster film uh-huh. and put it through this kind of french introspective arty uh, prism and yep. made it this in my opinion an absolute masterpiece yep. so probably they're all hoping for something similar mm. no that's you're hundred percent correct. That's it's, it's what they're aiming for, but I just, I, for most of the, it, as a Western, it's completely again completely solid, enjoyable enough with the guys on screen, but you could see what it was swinging for, and it just it didn't quite get there. And because it didn't get there, you felt it was a real. If you just made a traditional Western, you probably made a very good traditional Western with that cast and with yeah. that story, but by trying to make it different, it being not achieving the difference they wanted to achieve, it just yeah. it felt it just felt a bit flat for me. Well, well, it seems we're at a point for two films uh, this week on Three Beers that we have actors who are god tier and films that just aren't up to scratch with yeah. regards to the the, the, the acting uh, capabilities. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Yeah, I mean, we, we're actually talking about some work today. Like, do you, is Wacom Phoenix a bankable movie star? He's a world-class actor. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that was the point I was trying to make with work as well. He is, yeah, yeah. He is most definitely probably one of the greatest actors of his generation. But I don't know no, anyone who will go and see a film. He's not bankable. He's too, he's too brooding and yeah. dark and weird. Yeah. No, he's, he's not bankable at all. No, no one goes and sees a film based on the fact that says Wacky Phoenix. You can't put him on a poster. You know, he's not that kind of actor. He's not going to sell a film that way. He's not like a Denzel. We, we would. Yeah, but, no. You know, the masters would. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah the... Um, Aye, exactly. Like the, the people are into kind of indie cinema, sort of more, you know, culty cinema and sort yeah, of sure. the weirder cinema. They, I, Jack Wackenfees will always sell a film to me. And that's why I'm actually intrigued by the Joker film he's in, just because it seems such a bizarre thing to put him in, but also the perfect thing to put him in. Yeah, but it does. It does. The, you can imagine, like for example, the film, for, the poster for the Joker. I imagine it will number one probably not feature his name anywhere other than the little screen at the bottom. It won't feature. It won't have like a big massive bit of, above the title, and. Any picture of the Joker will be him in makeup or in shadow. They will not bank. They will not advertise a film based on him. He's, he's biggest film still Gladiator probably. I'm gonna say if you ask people who Joaquin Phoenix is, I'm gonna say they're gonna they're gonna say Gladiator, yeah. Or I think so. Maybe she. Her. Or her, her, sorry, her, yeah. Her was fantastic, but it didn't do that well. Did it? No, it didn't. It, didn't, it didn't, wasn't. It didn't do that. But I would. But yeah, be probably. I would say probably Gladiator is your your number one choice for the the film that people are gonna. Mention. You were never really here being ignored by the Academy and cinema goers is an absolute travesty. I think we'll, in 10 years' time we'll go, we'll look back and say that was the taxi driver off its time. Yeah, that, that film broke me, that film actually broke me in the cinema. Like, I, I, I almost had to walk out of it because I was, I was struggling to watch it. Yeah. It we was, talk about, yeah, me too, mate. We, yeah. I mean, yeah, we talk about films like, like us. I came away from You Never Here, Never Really Here, similar to yourself, kind of broken. And I remember messaging you at the time. Sorry, I know we're taking a segue, but yeah. uh, saying I'm pretty sure that was a masterpiece, but I don't want to talk or think about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Want to, um, I don't want to talk yeah. about it. I don't want to, and I definitely don't want to see it again for for a but long time. I, and I kind of do at the same time, just because it's it's so 
fucking beautifully directed. Yeah. And beautiful is a strange word to use for yeah. for that film. But yeah. Um, anyway. Well, let, let me finish that. Like, unlike us, as I want to see, I would want to see the next day. Whereas yes. you're never really yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. I would happily wait ten years to watch that again. I will maybe watch it again, but I'm not going to watch it anytime soon because you feel like I, I'm mentally it's, it's not prepared so for it. So yeah. Visceral and, and yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, I, I took to, to uh, take us back to where we were the lineage here. Um, Joaquin Phoenix, bankable movie star. No, no, he should be, but no, he's a bit too awkward and a bit too weird, yeah. probably. Yeah, I mean, if anything, the guy who's in this film or who's the most bankable star is probably John C. Reilly, then Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I totally agree. Without doubt. Yeah, yeah very odd. If it's a bit, it, like, as a thought, it's, it's, it's a decent enough film. It just if it, it's lofty aspirations, mate, you're you're hoping for more from it. Um, based on that, six and a half out of ten. Okay. Yeah. So it's a by definition not a bad film, but just you wanted more and you needed more to make it. This is this is like having fucking Ali McLeish manage Lionel Messi at the moment. The two films we've got. Kinda. Yeah. Like, you're not far off with that. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you want you want these people unleashed, but like you yeah. you're gonna play. Five, four, one, and try and hold. You know, it's like no, just let let the greatest guy in the planet fucking run at them. He might do something. Exactly. Um, exactly. And so, in, in the film, Phoenix is he's playing a role. He's 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 given something. He's not playing whack on Phoenix. He's given a performance. No. But yeah, uh, it's not. He's always good. At, he's always. He can only work with what. Yeah. He's got, I suppose. Exactly. He is definitely a supporting character in it. It's, it's John C. Reilly's film. Um, but yeah. Oh, so again, I'll still watch it because of the the caliber of the. Uh, the main front three there yeah no totally yeah you can watch it based on them um, yeah. final film that was out in cinema this week is Shazam uh, Shazam Shazam directed by David F. Sandberg whose um, career falls in horror actually he directed uh, Annabelle Creation which wasn't very good um, and also Lights Out which I actually quite enjoyed I have not seen either of those films yeah Lights Out is decent it's trying to be something like the Babadook or it, or it follows not quite as good as them but it's it's Enjoy one off. I, I found it a decent horror film in amongst a spate of really shit horror films that were out that year. You know, the kind of your traditional horror crap, you know, like you know, yeah. your, your you know, your franchise ones that actually stood out as actually not been not bad. But it has been put into the same line as like It Follows and The Witch and Babadook and uh, the Gallows, not not the Gallows, uh, the Hallow and it's nowhere near as good as any of them. But it's not as bad as They're all really good, yeah. but it's not bad. Okay. Yeah, it's not bad, yeah. But in, in decent enough film. And Maybe what DC's now doing as much as Marvel, they're bringing in guys who've got some vision, but they're not complete auteurs of the cinema craft. They want to, they, they are able to take direction in some way, um, but they have their own vision of what they want to do. Um, so the plot of Shazam, um, it's based on a comic book, based on a DC comic, where a young boy, Billy Batson, um, is imbibed with the powers of Shazam, which is, I can't remember what it is, it's the strength of Hercules, the speed of Zeus. Cock of Thor, probably um, the power of Atlantis, the speed of Mercury. I can't remember them all, but anyway, that's that's what it is. that's what Shazam stands for. It's all the Greek gods and what their powers are. Uh, uh, right, okay. Yeah, that's where it comes yeah. from. Um, he gets given this power, um, and he can, he will transform into if he says the word out loud, Shazam, and he will turn back into the young boy if he says Shazam again. So he can jump back and forth between who Shazam is. Um, big Bad comes into the world. Who wants to take over the world? He's got to find himself and try and stop the Big Bad. That's the basic premise. It's not particularly unique in a premise, but it is a comic book origin story, so you you, you know what you're, you're going for with this. Um, in the film, you've got Zachary Levy, Zachary Levy, who's playing Shazam in Shazam form. Um, if you know him, he's from Chuck. If you ever watched Chuck, the TV show, 
back in the day. Yeah, very charismatic. Very yeah, good. I like him. He's very char- very like charming. Him. Um, he also plays, if anyone knows him, he plays one of the Warriors 3 in the Thor movie, so he, he walks in both worlds. Uh, and also he, he does. Yeah. Yes, he does. And he is also the voice of the prince in Tangled, which is a far better Disney princess movie than Frozen ever will be. Um Great. He's also alongside him as the bad guy played by Mark Strong, and I I love anything Mark Strong does. He's genuinely one of the I think one of the most enjoyable British actors on screen. When you see him, he, he gets typecast a lot, unfortunately, as a bad guy, sort of that kind of malicious kind of guy. But I genuinely think he's really a really enjoyable watch actor to watch. I like him a lot. I've yeah. got a lot of time for Mark Strong. Yeah. He's a good supporting man. Oh yeah, great supporting guy. Like I love him in Kingsman. Love him in um, Kick Ass as well. Great bad guy in Kick Ass. Yeah. Um, Even in the um, the Carl Jung Freud one, he was good in that. Yeah, he, yeah, like yeah, he was good in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he played. A, I can't. I can't remember film he was in now, but he played like an MI six guy who just appeared from behind a curtain now and again. Um, <laughs> what's the one about Bl- the one about Bl- the one with um, Cumberbatch um, about the mathematician? Oh, imitation game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He just yeah. every now and again, just, yeah, he just appeared like, "Who are you? I'm MI6. I thought we only yeah, had yeah. A, I thought we only had <laughs> MI5. That's what we want you to think." And he just, and he just disappeared. Like, like I want to watch the Mark yeah. Strong MI6 origin totally. film. I don't, yeah, that's from I want. Think the Taylor as well. Yes, like a similar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I watch Mark Strong, great actor. I watch anything he's in. Um, Asher Angel plays Billy Batson, so young, so non Shazam, Shazam. Um, he's not been in much, but he's in this. He's very decent. Um, his best mate is played by Jack Dylan Grazer, who, if you've seen, have you seen it, the new the new version of it. I have, yes. The boy yeah. who plays the one with the, the mum who loves him a bit too much. Oh yeah, okay. You know, yeah. you can tell something dodgy going on there. Um, him yeah. and also I can't, I can never pronounce his name. We talked about Gladiator earlier on. It's Digimon Huso. The oh yeah, not yet. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, Digimon Houston is the only guy to appear in both Captain Marvel films because Shazam's real name is Captain Marvel originally, and he's in Captain what? Marvel, Captain Marvel. So he's in both Captain Marvels. That is an absolute fact. Yes. I actually don't think Dijon Muzi was a very good actor. I know that's a controversial opinion. I think he's a bit wooden and a bit bad. You know what? Every time I see him in something, I think exactly the same. I just don't see what yeah. the real what the real sort no. of love for this guy is. Um, yeah. I, know. I, don't I feel know. fearful saying that, but yeah, I yeah. don't think he's very good. We will maybe edit that part out if we don't want to come across the wrong way. But I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't buy him as an actor. I really don't. I just feel he does the same thing over and over again. I just don't really get. Absolutely, and but, not very well. Yeah, yeah, people think he's intense. I just don't think he's intense. He just mumbles, to be honest. Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We can, we can both be on die on that hill together. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, this is a, is a is a lovely tonic for what DC has been doing a lot of the time. Um, taking away Aquaman, which I'm sure your boy will love because it's all the movie of all the movies. Um, yeah. it's, Shazam is exceptionally bright and colourful and it's a lot of fun. It's a fun, It's a mostly fam, family-friendly movie. Good. And it's what a comic book movie should be. It should be yeah. for kids as much as it is for a fucking adult. You know, I know people get very high, you know, very, you know, intense about what they love about comic book films. They want to, you know, they want them to be for them as much as, you know, they want it for, you know, the adults as much as the kids. But at heart, these things are, you read, you read them mostly as kids. It's as a kid you fell in love with these things. Therefore, yeah. you've got to try and embrace that childlikeness of it, you know? Absolutely. That's, uh, that's really good to hear. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I'm a massive fan of Christopher Nolan, but in a way, he's kind of, that kind of um, the darkness and yeah. the grand, 
grandeur of oh. those films, as good as they are, the first two anyway, have kind of poisoned the waters in a oh. way. You know, it sends that you have to make an artistic statement. Yeah. So well, why can't it be fun? Yeah. And also, kids aren't don't patronize kids. Yeah. Like fucking Disney is dark as fuck. Yeah. You know, you can you can throw in yeah. dark as well. It's fine. Just give it a bit of levity. Yeah. Well, you think of something out this like last year, Spider Man, Spider Verse, probably the best comic book oh. film of that year. It's for there's okay. there's thousands of stuff in that for kids, but it's also it's an adult film as well. There's, there's that is the perfect thing, and you don't need to make it dark and brooding to be adult, and you no, don't you know it, you just, it can be fun and sad. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it can yeah. be both. You so, know, it's fine. So this definitely gets the fam- family friendliness and the funness of it. Um, it's very much if you if you, it's big with a superhero. That's essentially what it is. You know, and Zachary Levy plays that giant man child to an absolute T. You know, he 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 gets that role really well. And every time I hear, I've heard him interviewed recently, good he's, casting, isn't yeah. it? If you think about Chuck, you know, that's uh-huh. good casting. Yeah. You think about if you imagine, you know, like in, in big Tom Hanks playing the big kid makes perfect sense. Jennifer Garner yeah. in Thirteen Going on Thirty, she played the big kid exceptionally well as well. It's just, there's something about certain pairs like qualities that make them feel like big children. And definitely Zachary Levy is one of these guys. He plays it totally well. The big problem with it is, and mostly I enjoyed it. But there is a darkness in this film that the the posters and the trailer don't allude to, and I think there might be a lot of people going with their kids who will get a fright watching with their kids. You know, um, oh, really? I think it's I think it's a twelve or a PG rating. There's uh-huh. the the powers that Mark Strong has as the bad guy. There's a scene in, in a, a a corporate boardroom that is quite frankly fucking terrifying, <laughs> to be honest. That um, has echoes of like the dogma scene when um, no, I dogma yeah when when Jay and not Jay yeah. when Affleck and Damon go and shoot up the the corporate boardroom. Yeah, yeah. It has yeah. shades. Of, it has shades of that, but with giant fucking monsters. Freaking way. Yeah, really? <laughs> and you're kind of going this. If I was in this with a kid, I'd be going. I would maybe not expect this in this film. And you should not pander to children, definitely not. But I think parents do appreciate a bit of a warning when something like that's come along. I don't know how Hunter would yeah. take it, for example. And imagine this is a film you would want to take Hunter to go and see because it's bright, colourful. He's into comic book films, and it's you're not going to you're not going to take him to go and see maybe Avengers because it's a bit too dark and a bit too weighty. This seems the ideal film for it. And that those moments sort of make you kind of go, Jesus. But then there's so much lightness and deafness of touch throughout the rest of it that you almost forget about these scenes until you're watching them again. You're like, oh, fuck, damn it, I forgot this bit was in it, you know? Are they trying to hit too many target audiences, though? Are they trying to... I don't... Is it just a bit jumbled? I think it's a bit jumbled. The the tone was a little bit all over the place, a wee bit, you know, with with the sort of the light, fluffy moments, and then this darkness suddenly turns into, like, holy shit, this is... It seems to spin. Also, there's too much, for me, as a comic book fan... There's a little bit too much of a disconnect between the Billy Batson character and the Shazam character, because the Billy Batson character is—he's pretty pissed off with the world. He's pretty angry. He's, he's, he's an orphan. His mum's abandoned him. He can't settle in a foster home. You know, he's—he's—he's he's, he's stealing police cars. He's been—he's been a bit of a shit. All of a sudden, when he turns into Shazam, he's suddenly this sort of fun-loving, flamboyant, lovable guy. And he's oh going, yeah, so there's no real gradual. Yeah, that's just immediate change in personality. Yeah, so and I, if, yeah. If, if he if he became Shazam first of all and sort of like and became, you know, still the same guy, but then as he discovered his powers and he realised, like, holy shit, I've got something amazing going on here, then he became lighter in touch. I would totally get that, but it's almost instantaneous that he becomes. They fast forwarded past yeah, that bit. Yeah. yeah, and that was a problem. Um, 
there's a there's a third act there's a third act turn um, that does something that's in the conclusion of the film, which basically is just you know good guy beating bad guy, but it does a turn and that you kind of go either you'll go with or you don't you don't go with. I didn't entirely love it. Okay. But I've got a couple of friends who are big DC fans and they loved it. So it's maybe really? just okay. maybe maybe just the world you, you you know and you enjoy. Maybe that will depending on how how much you take it. Um, I know nothing of this character. I know exceptionally little of him as well. Other than the fact that I know he's basically Superman, but without the, the weakness, because he has no kryptonite, essentially. Right. I mean, all I know him as uh, is Peter Griffin's exclamation of ejaculation. That's all that I That is know. also that, yes. Um, the, the history of the character is that he was actually written by a different comic book company as a sort of Superman ripoff. And they, um, basically DC went... Oh, no, shit, really? Yeah, DC went... No, we're buying that and fucking stop. We're not, we're not having this. Um, and then they had to, tr- and then they, t- they struggled to make him interesting um, for a long time. Then they've done a few things with the, the whole Shazam and the orphanage thing to make him interesting and make him a bit of backstory other than just being a super powerful, awesome guy. Um, I don't think I know about him as, and there's a guy called Alex Ross who does amazing paintings, um, art, uh, comic book covers. He does, he draws a great Shazam and some. Scenes in this film that are directly taken from his artwork, which I really dug. Um, That's cool. So I, I really like that. But the character himself, I, I'm, I'm not saying I know very, I know only passing knowledge of him. To be honest, so I was at loss to understand some of the kind of nuances of things about DC in this one. So people who who liked it, who liked it, I'll take I'll take the word on it. It was a, it was a, it was good and it does work. Um, but it, it, other than have not have enough Mark Strong, which I think every film does have enough Mark Strong. Um, no, no, no film ever has enough money. That's wrong. I agree. Yeah, I thought it was a totally fun. It's the definition of a popcorn movie. You know, it's it's two hours. It's enjoyable. You you'll laugh at bits of it. You'll like I said be a bit scared at some bits of it. But as entertainment, it's completely fine, completely enjoyable, and a decent enough watch on a Friday night in in the cinema if you're going to go and see something on a Friday night. That sounds good. Yeah. Uh, Zachary, um, on the whole, Zachary Levi, obviously incredibly charismatic guy yeah. is this going to be his breakthrough is it going to be is he going to be in the next Chris Pratt I'm, I'd like to think he would do more from this but even if he doesn't from what I've been seeing him in interviews recently in the, on TV he's enjoying the shout of having his moment in the sun he loves it doesn't he yeah. he's such a cool guy yeah. he's, he's very appreciative he, yeah. he knows that this might be his only moment yeah. <laughs> he does he 100% knows that and it's much like maybe like Ron Perlman when he got to play Hellboy he knew this was the biggest film he was ever going to be in and he fucking went for it he loved every second of being that character and I think much the same with um, Levi he's enjoying the shit of being this character He he's and all fair play to him if he only gets to do it once he's done well at it and I think I don't think he will do it once I think he'll get an go at it as well I think he's done decent enough business that it'll get it'll, yeah. get, an, it'll get another go at it, and it left room for another story. So cool, absolutely. And DC doing fun. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of Aquaman. Aquaman, I thought was it was all the movie you could possibly fit into a movie. Um, I haven't seen it, but it's in, seen it. it's yeah. enjoyable enough, and it's it, it it it's it's decent enough. This is, I think, a step up from Aquaman. Um, okay. And I actually I enjoyed this a lot, and I I would happily. Watch this again before I watch any other DC movie. Apart from Wonder Woman, maybe. Or, Honestly, one, one of them I enjoyed bits of Wonder Woman got a really shit third act. Yeah, yeah, no, it falls away massively. Yeah, yeah after the... After, yeah, yeah, once you go to that big house and she get the sword in the back of your dress, that, that, that's the scene yeah, where you start yeah, to... Yeah, 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 no, totally agree. That's yeah, totally just, agree. 
it really falls away. But up until that point, yeah, fucking love it. But yeah, it falls away at that point. Um, overall, seven and a half out of ten. Good. Yeah. Decent. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, so that's it for this week. But next week out we have Hellboy is out. The yeah. new one, which I'm unfortunately hearing great things about, but I I love Hellboy in every way, so I'm de- definitely going to go and see it and excited to see it. Um, I, I like Hellboy. You gave me the comics, and I, I enjoy the, the comics very much, yeah. and I love the first three films. Yeah. I fear that the ghost of Messrs, Perlman, and Del Toro will hang Loom like spectral, spectrally in the air and make us sad. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. Know? But in Hellboy, we trust. Um, you've also got um, Wild Rose which is a Glasgow film I think it might be a British film but it's set in Glasgow about a girl who comes out of prison single mum but she dreams of being a Nashville country singer is she the girl from Beast? yes very good actress great actress I hear incredible things about this film yep I'm looking forward to that that sounds excellent yep look for I always like to see a film that's set in Glasgow and it's you know hopefully doesn't portray all as absolute twats which would be nice Um uh, Mid nineties is out as well, which is the first film from Jonah Hill. Yeah, I've read really good things actually. Which has a it, seen the trailer. It definitely has a real kind of like Florida project slacker yeah, yeah. feel about it, you know very very yeah, indie. Florida project absolutely have that kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. very indie looking, I would say. Um, yeah, so it like so. Look like a vanity project though. It no, it doesn't. Anything. No, and it's got big. It has got a few big actors. It's got. I'm sure it's got. Um, a couple of decent guys, like big guys in it as well, playing sort of minor roles, much the same way as like um, Florida Project had the phone stuff in it, you know, stuff, you know yeah. stuff yeah. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that one. There's also one out called Little, which is I think a body swap remake of, I don't know, it's just not a body swap remake. I think it looks like what's that one? Not big, the one Freaky Friday. Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. but yeah. it's the switch genders, switch color or something. I don't know. Anyway, it looks it 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 looks fucking horrendous to be honest. Um, so. Sounds terrible. Sounds terrible. <laughs> Still out is Missing Link, which is the caveman animation one, which I've heard is from the guys who did um, Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, yeah. Great yeah. Film. Which, um, it, again, it looks really good. Which I'm trying, hopefully going to see it this week at some point. It looks like a really enjoyable, nice family film. I've heard, actually heard decent things about it. And Wonder Park, which looks a very cheap-looking animation, which I'm really not going to go and see. And hopefully Colin has seen that, because he's off for the kids this week, and he can go and watch that one for us. Yes, Colin can do his job. Um, but yeah, man, that is us for this week. If you're looking for us, you can find us on Twitter, Gmail, and Facebook, at and Instagram at 3beersandamovie.com. Stu, thank you very much for being here tonight. Thank you, brother. Always a pleasure. Awesome. And so I've been Richard, you've been... I've been Stu. And you've been listening to... Three Beers and a Movie.